Where can I get one of those chef tea steaks? Because damn, they look good. Plus, Ed third wheels nearly as well as he does math. The group finally gets some money. Berna and Melissa debate the merits of bullying. Raven pays for her sins. Hahui proves yet again to be a gem of a human. And hot tubs, nightclubs, romance, arguments, and overall mess? Is it 2023 or is it 2013? It's the challenge. Battle for a new champion, episode three and only three. Recap coming up right now. What up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to The Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's The Challenge, past, present, or future, what's happening in The Challenge Universe. We are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated Challenge Historian, Jacob Hollibaugh. Thank you so very, very much for being here with me tonight as that dedication is put to the test. When... Did they say they were doing double episodes, two and a half hours? Are you kidding me? That's an amazing thing. Of course, we'll debate debate the merits of whether they should be doing this, why they might have been doing this in just a minute. But they are, which means we are podcasting not once, but twice this evening. Most shows, I'm sure, will cover both of these episodes as if it's one big mega episode. Not here, not this historian. We're breaking it up into two, mostly so that this podcast isn't super duper long. We're going to try to do recap three, recap four in a very concise, I don't know, 30, 35 minutes each time frame. Also, because I do want these podcasts to be evergreen. So if you're not watching immediately with, if you go back and do a rewatch, you want to be able to listen to these recaps. They'll still match up with each episode because if you're watching this down the line on Paramount Plus or anything like that, you're not watching these. You're not knowing that this was a double episode. You're seeing episode three. You're seeing episode four and probably watching them as such. So I wanted to break it up. It was too much to do into one podcast. Plus, both episodes were good, good to great. Really fun, a lot of things worth talking about. And yeah, I, I I don't totally love that they're putting both of them out at one time. Again, as always, on the same time as Survivor, as the same time as a presidential debate is going on, all this other stuff. We're probably not going to do a big ratings check-in segment, but they're not good. And there's a lot of things I think they could be doing to do a little bit better. There's some things out of their control, some things they're never going to get back, but it could be better, and I think they're kind of shooting themselves in the foot with a few of the decisions, but regardless, that's neither here nor there for tonight. For tonight, we're doing episode three of this podcast. We'll be back immediately after with episode four, so those will both be in your timeline by the chance time you are listening to this one. Make sure you know, you're listening to the one that is correct or in order that you want to be. And then the only other program reminder, Survivor 45, me and Tony will be back sometime this weekend. No locked in recording time as of yet, maybe Friday night, maybe Saturday. So that'll be sometime this weekend. Be thank every Wednesday night, Survivor sometime over the weekend. That's the plan for November, for December, until these seasons are finished up. As for tonight's plan, the agenda, same old, same old, minus predictions at the end because, well... We, 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 we've seen the episode four. I've watched, I watched it. So, you know, there's not really, while I could finally get a prediction, right. I could cheat and finally get a prediction, right. We're going to skip over predictions. Otherwise storylines, awards, power rankings, and then we will wrap it up and move right into the next podcast covering episode four. All right, here we go. Episode three and only three B Fank battle for a new champion. Let's dive in. Starting with the initial house segment. So much fun was had, and 
we saw all of it. We saw a lot of it, at least. And all of it is a, a big stretch. I shouldn't have stretched that much to start this pod, but here we are. But we saw a lot of fun that they were having. We've got different couples. We've got a hot tub party. We've got all this great stuff. And it's throughout this episode. It's throughout the next episode. And it's wonderful. These 90 minutes episodes are paying off if they're, you know, they're showing us a lot of the good times that are be had and a lot of non-game activity or mixing in non-game activity with the game activity. So I love it. I love it. I love it. Obviously the biggest thing from this opening segment was the teased in the trailer teased on the next week on the full clip. Basically of it was put out in advance. I still, I will never be a fan of the day before day and a half before day of them putting out, you know, a four minute, the best four minutes of the episode, potentially out on Instagram to watch there. I think I, I I disagree with that strategy, but we had seen it. I had seen it. I'm sure a lot of you did literally watch the whole thing hours before watching it all again within the episode. Berna versus Melissa. It's noticeable first and foremost, as far as how the, the merits of this argument and who's who's wronged, if anyone is wronged in this situation, it's noticeable that we barely get any footage of Mel, Melissa and Big T maybe giggling, maybe rolling their eyes, maybe kind of like talking, you know, amongst themselves about someone, maybe like, we don't even know. It's very small, little bit of footage. You can't tell. It's never like pans over and there's Berna dancing and pans back. And we see that like they're two completely different things spliced together. So not a lot of evidence that, uh, that they're, you know, that they're bullying Berna, that they're making fun of, that they're doing anything at all. Um, I think Berna is in an impossible position. There's, you know, as are pretty much everyone that's the international folks that are non-English as the first language folks in the show. I've talked about it on Spies, Lies, and Allies. I talked about it a little bit on Ride or Dies. We talked about it on the World Championships, and we'll talk about it here. It's just, it. it's a really tough position to be in coming in as a non-English as first language person into this house where the vast majority are English as first language. It was a little different on Spies, Lies, and Allies because it was so overwhelmingly two different groups, but then you know everyone in another group was like one or two people from all these different spots all over the world that kind of had that connection in there. It's it's almost worse here in this where it's like a couple of one-off people that have it. And I think Berna's personality in either, I don't know if it's, if it's insecurity, I don't know if it's an overall abrasiveness, I don't know if it's defensiveness in response to like an insecurity Whatever it is, her personality makes it kind of exacerbates this really tough position that she and a lot of them are in the most. She's kind of the worst suited to deal with being in this position where it's a little harder to fit in. She doesn't have the obvious allies or friends in the house, the obvious things to build friendships off of, the obvious communication channels, that whole thing. And Especially in this house, I get I totally understand how she feel can feel like the outsider, like she's the one being left out, like she's just kind of doesn't have the friends that everyone else does. Because in this house, it would be really tough to be one of the very few women that isn't a part of this massive conglomerate of women that are super tight, at least right now in this moment in the house. They all appear and are seemingly super tight, you know, from all the 38 girls, um, basically them plus their kind of friends that they have brought in from other seasons. And then, you know, she has a couple people from 37, but none of the women from 37. We saw in the first episode, you know, the Michelle thing and Michelle's kind of like, you know, like we're friends and I like you, but like, I'm not trying to be attached to you in this house. So she's got a couple on the men's side, uh, Emmanuel and Huey, but not a lot to lean on. 
they have a big blow up. You know, she accuses Melissa and Big T of bullying her. Melissa does not like to hear the word bullying. We get the backstory there and why that is triggering for her makes total sense. She blows up. She gets loud. We know Melissa can get loud. We know Melissa can win an argument. And uh, she's just the best. This is the kind of parent energy that we need in these houses. Someone becomes a new parent on the show and usually follows a certain path once they come back into the house post having a child, not Melissa. She's still going to make sure to bring us her authentic self. She's going to bring the drama. She's going to bring the entertainment. She's, you know, she and she's just the best. She's the best. I'm so happy to have her back. And I'm so happy. Same Melissa is always still herself, still wonderful, still great, still going to stand up for herself if she feels wronged or slighted in any single way. Did Melissa, did Berna, I think they insinuated it's Berna, someone broke that lamp and the big light fixture thing on their way out of the house, right? That happened. They just they showed us that that was a real thing. Do we get in trouble for that? Is that where does that go on the, you know, the recently really strict lines of you know, possible physical violence, you know, it's violence against a lamp or whatever, but seemed like there was a lot of broken glass. Someone could have maybe got hurt. I don't know. I am certainly not advocating that like Berna should have been kicked out of the house for this. I, I think it's great. I just wish we would have got a little exp- explanation on, did she in fact do it? How did she do it? What was the whole, how, how did it all go down? There's gotta be a camera on that. I would assume. I wish we would have seen that. Emmanuel is kind of the only person she has to go to. It doesn't seem like he is actually that invested. It seems like he's just trying to be nice, like they are friends, but he is in kind of similar to Michelle in the first episode being like, we're friends and I want you to know I'm your friend and I'm going to console you in this moment, but I'm not really going out of my way to try to seem attached to you in this game or like your ultimate best friend that even if I say you're not in an alliance with me, I'm going to, you know, defend you anything like that. So it seems like he's trying to be a good friend, but keep his distance at the same time. We will fast forward briefly. These two do make up later in the episode. We'll just talk about it here. It's lovely. It's wonderful. It's a good conversation between them. I'm not sure that either one, they both explain themselves. I'm not sure either one fully understands the other one's explanation for what happened, but I think they both understand that the other person is genuinely sorry and doesn't have ill will towards the other one. And so the makeup is genuine. The hug at the end is genuine, but I'm not a hundred percent sure either one of them totally understood by the end of that conversation, where the other was coming from other than getting the general sense of the vibes and the feelings being genuine and good natured full circle argument makeup at the end. Greatly enjoy the drama. Very entertaining. Love it. 10 out of 10 for Berna and Melissa. Then we get to the daily challenge. It's a cool design. But it's 100% on the math, people. It's This is a two-person thing. And so if you're going to make these challenges, which I have raved about, I've really enjoyed this idea of them all working together to earn money. I love it. If you're going to do those, it it kind of ruins it a little for me when it kind it comes down to, it doesn't kind of come down. It comes down to two people. It comes down to Ed and Kylan. I guess it comes down to three because then they sub Jay in just for a moment and then Kylan goes back. So rules, as always, don't know what they were. But- it comes down to them being able to do the math quick enough. The others, it was pretty straightforward. Driving the circle until you get to the parking spot. It's a pretty big loudspeaker. Michelle's using up there and yelling out. It, it would be pretty hard to mess up their end of it. So this is on the math people. And there's only two of them. And I so that I don't love that if it's supposed to be this big group effort thing. But hey, the math problems are really hard. So I will say that the math problems are legitimately hard and would under pressure of only having the time that they had 
would feel really, really difficult. Good on Ed, good on Kylan, good on Jay for getting them, especially Jay. Well, it seems like Ed maybe did a lot of the heavy lifting. I don't know. It seemed like a pretty team effort between the two of them and then Jay as well when he came in. Jay, especially though, in the moment when they're like, wait a minute, they're calling for a sub. That would be the sub feels the most pressure of anyone potentially in that spot of like, wait, they're calling for a sub. And I'm the one that kind of raised my hand and kind of was pointed at and has to go down and do it. So good on all three of them show off the math skills, show off the poise under pressure. And that's, you know, check that box for all three of them that hadn't formally. I had checked it on Ed because I just believe that he's really, really smart, but we, and we kind of got to see a little of it in a couple of limbs or dailies on spies, lies and allies. But if it wasn't fully checked in pen before it is now, and the same thing for Kylan and Jay, we can check math and kind of poise under pressure for the boxes of, you know, traits they have that could help them win this show. Michelle's inner element. I loved her being the one on the mic yelling out everything. Um, this is the first one. The other, only other notable thing first daily that they've all chosen positions pretty clearly. They all, you know, had a good idea of like, there's three positions who wants what kind of walk to your spots. They, had a cohesion in picking. They kind of had leaders. They stuck with it. And what do you know? It results in some money. Then back at the house, we get a night out. We get the big deliberation. Let's talk about them both. Michelle and Callum are going steady, and it's honestly hard to watch. I love Michelle. I think, unless this is your first time tuning into this, you're well aware of this now after USA 2 and going into this season and every other season she's been on that we have covered. Love Michelle. And to love Michelle the way that I do in the knowing the truth about Callum's situation and how just much of a big bummer this all is just makes it even more of a big bummer as a, such a big fan of one of the two people, the one kind of being wronged and lied to and misled a little bit in this situation. So don't love that. I'm going to continue to not really have much commentary on other than it's messy and I'm always pro messy in this house. I'm just, I wish it wasn't the person that I liked the most uh, that was, you know, on the receiving end of the mess that is being thrown around. Outdoor deliberation is fantastic. That's a small little note, but I love it. I I hope it's never raining or anything. I, it kind of reminded me of All-Stars 1 and maybe even All-Stars 3. Did they... All-Stars 1, for sure, they did the outdoor deliberation, and I really liked it. I don't know why I like it. I just think it's fun that they have to, like, instead of going to the the weird room setups, it sometimes are cool, sometimes they're not. I don't know. I just like them going and chilling outside on that little random patio they got out there in the grass. Um, love that. Raven has been throws, thrown around. Her name's all over. She knows it. She knows there's legitimate reason why. She can't really argue against it. She could have still argued against it better than she does here. She doesn't have a great argument in her favor. It is nowhere near as bad as the last two weeks. Obviously Chauncey and Jessica still, you know, take the cake there on truly shooting themselves in the foot here. She just, you know, she was already kind of thrown into the pit, so to speak. And she just didn't climb her way out of it, but she also kind of like didn't even set up the rope or the ladder or anything to climb out. This is a pretty poor analogy, but I think you get what I'm saying. She could have done better. I don't know if it would have mattered. Berna did solid for the first time uh, in any of these episodes. Berna, I think was the first one that you could rate did put forward a good argument for herself or just had to speak at deliberation with her name on the line to some degree and actually spoke good words that were positive and helpful for her in her case. So great job, Berna, not so great job, Raven, but still in comparison to the weeks prior, um, decent job, Raven, you know, even if it wasn't kind of not that great 
the girls burn vote uh, idea. They come up with this idea. They're all going to burn a vote. They're going to spread it around on the guys. It's going to be fun too. Cause they're each going to get to say the guy they're kind of boot up with great fun, wonderful, whatever they're taking advantage of the setup of the game. They're being smart. I applaud them for that. The game is a setup in a way that this is a smart move for them. You know, it would be another thing if they were like trying to get out of voting for a guy and giving the guys the power then to be like, wait, we said we we're going to do a guy. Now we'll do a girl. But they, I don't think, would do this in that situation because they are proving to be smart strategically about this. Like, it is a girl. It's one of these two. And we could go the route of not actually saying the names ourselves or picking ourselves because we kind of don't want to. And what's the worst that the guys could do? Pick a guy? Not going to happen. And probably we have enough allies over there that they're also not going to turn around and ruffle new feathers by randomly picking one of us. Or are they? Before we talk about Corey really quickly, producers need to figure this stuff out. I said it before. I'll say it again. I'll try to stop saying it at some point. Seeker votes work for this reason. Uh, the best case scenario for this season, for any season at this point, is vote in secret individually and then reveal who voted for who. Or don't. It worked out pretty decently on uh, USA 2 to not reveal who voted for who and let them figure it out amongst themselves. But they can't stand up there and do the big vote. It, it just doesn't work as well. And this burn vote strategy could still be employed in that situation, but there's a little more risk involved. There's a little more unknowing. And there's definitely someone who's like, I don't trust this burn vote plan and I'm still voting for so-and-so. And that may, becomes a thing. So producers figure that stuff out. Anyways, Corey, Fox with Zara and Mariah. We will have more on this decision in the next episode, uh, the next podcast, because we obviously know that there's more to this that we learn in next episode. So I'm not even going to really address it here because I'm trying to only address things that we knew at the end of this episode here. So let's move it to the arena. At the arena, Raven gets thrown in as expected. And look, I get it. It, it makes sense. I understand where everyone is at on this vote, but it should be said that the U.S. seems to at one time have this stronghold over the House and the Super Good Alliance, but they have now thrown in their own twice in a row. And it leads to an interesting question, an interesting debate. I'm not sure exactly where I fall. I think it is situational in this debate. But, you know, they, they reference that Raven is a crack in the alliance and they need to get rid of it. I think Olivia is the one that uses that uh, type that type of phrasing. And it kind of falls into like, okay, so is it more important to take out the crack in our alliance or is it more important to just continue to dwindle the numbers of the other side? Which is the bigger threat? Giving, you know, taking away a potential number for themselves, giving the alliance, the other alliance a day off, but having the reward of removing the weak link of our, of our, you know, trust issues over here, or, you know, is it vice versa? So it's an interesting debate to have. They clearly are thinking that, you know, the numbers are still there that they can, you know, it's better than trying to convince and build that trust back to get rid of this person or possibly get rid of this person. And they play it really well because the way they're able to massage it and the way Raven knows it's her, they're able to kind of play like this is a one-time thing more or less like you, this is your consequence, but then you're still in the Alliance. You're still, if you're allowed back and she's kind of, you know, going along with that for the time being too, she calls out Huhui. I guess that makes sense. Uh, you know, it's hard to say there's a, a right or wrong person for her to call out here. She's not going to call it any U.S. people because, again, she is trying to, you know, get back in with them and kind of allow this to be the single consequence for her prior actions. And she's still kind of, you know, she's still talking and, you know, flirting with Kieran. 
and still kind of does have a toe, not a full foot, but like a toe with the UK, which is what got her in trouble before, but she's clearly just being a little more secretive about it here. So the UK folks are probably off the board and that leaves, you know, on the women's side, Berna, Huhui, Colleen, and, you know, Colleen's kind of floating around the US Alliance more or less. Berna maybe even is too. So she goes with the Huhui, the least connections probably in the house um, to not really upset anyone. And there isn't standout, again, as we've talked about with the power rankings and in the preseason, there's not like these two or three are the favorites on the women's side. These two or three are the layups. Like it's very even field. So there isn't like an obvious, I want to go for the easiest person. I want to take out a big name, whatever. So she goes with the Huey. You know, there isn't a great decision to be made. So it makes sense. The game they play, this better not be, I mean, it's it's pole wrestling, obviously. It's pole wrestling with some digging first, finding the things first. But this better not be the substitute for pole wrestle on this season. We better get an actual pole wrestle on this season. This does not count because that's that's what this is. This is supposed to be pole wrestle substitute, pole wrestle variant. But it's not what we get. There's little to no pole wrestling that happens in this. And so we better get the real deal somewhere down the line. I'm, I was reminded during all of this of that one shining moment for my guy, Nam. Yeah, I'm making a Nam reference right now. You think that was going to happen? No, everyone forgets that he's there the moment he's on any of the seasons and he gets more chances and we ask why I don't ask why I love Nam and one of his only shining moments was that one time they all had to dig in around in the mud as a daily challenge find the x like down in the muddy swamp thingy and then get it out of the ring and he did that brilliant moved it and kept acting like he was searching until he's right over at the side and then got out with it it was a shining moment he did not go on to win that daily challenge anyways but it just reminded me of that a little bit how the the method for this game of trying to, you know, kind of be a little secretive about the moment you find it and trying to get out of there without actually having to wrestle. Who <sighs> he doesn't totally get that strategy. Raven doesn't get it at first either. And it costs her the first round, but then she quickly realizes like, Hey, I should just pay more attention to her finding it. I'm going to win the wrestling match. And she does uh, a mixture of finds it first still and gets out of there quick and wins quick wrestling matches both times. Who he loses her and Horacio had a real connection. That was lovely to see. Wonderful to see. I enjoyed that. I'm glad someone there could speak Spanish with her. I hadn't fully even like put that together before. Cause we don't really see any of it until this episode. And look, I, you know, I kind of referenced it with the tough situation that burn is in and everyone that's English is second language in these houses is in a difficult spot at a disadvantageous spot. It just is what it is. That's not being mean or rude or anything like that's just, that's just the way that, that's the way it plays out every single time. And they've, there's a handful of them on each season, the last three, four seasons here. And yes, I want people from all over the world to get to experience this amazing game, the show to get a platform, to get to be out there and doing this. And it's, it's wonderful, but it's just hard not to see that massive disadvantage. And if it constantly goes the way of like those folks lose rather quickly, does it actually help the show to have them there in the first place when it could have been I don't, someone that there would have been a little more connection to the rest of the cast, maybe a little more chaos, maybe a little more entertainment. Like who is clearly as TJ says, like the, she, he calls her, I think the sweetest uh, challenger of all time. Everyone loves her. She's the best. What a gem of a human. I loved her speech at the end, how just happy and positive she is and just beautiful person. 
but it's just like, it's just, it's really tough the situation they're put in. And it's really then tough for the fans to be like, is this worth it? It's one thing I'm so pro this season, the battle for the new champion to just get all the old vets out of there. Let's actually build some new characters and some new storylines, but it just feels it, it's hard not to feel like they could lean all the way into that and have gone pure, you know, this turns into us versus UK it did on world championships too. And it's like, could it just been us versus UK? And could we have just kept this, you know, could this been a 10 seasons worth of from dirty 30 to now, just the UK versus the U S over and over and over. And some more folks from there and not as much the expansion into the international world. We'll never know. Just some thoughts. Uh, I don't know. It's, it's tough, but who is the best? but she is no longer in the house on this season of the challenge. Then we've got our awards to hand out best quote up first. Huey first <laughs> repeats himself in person. And then in confessional, always love when that happens that he's like, and gets to the confessional booth is like, man, I said some good shit at the bar last night. I need to remember that and say it again. Does not trust her as far as I could probably throw her. She cannot be trusted as far as she could be thrown. And I don't have muscles, so I can throw no one. And obviously his accent makes it sound way cooler and more fun and funny than I just did it justice. Then second nominee goes to Corey. No one wants to play the challenge. Everyone's burning and nobody cares. And quote, always out there willing to speak his mind and stir some things up a little bit. Love that from him. We'll give the award to my guy, Huey. Best moment, nominee number one, obviously the Berna and Melissa fight. Nominee number two, selfish one here, biased one here, getting to see Ed's family, mainly Tammy, during the daily and his reference to, you know, like, I'm not the influencer that the rest of these people are. Like, I do attempt to work a real day job and career, but then, like, leave it to come do this stuff to make some money for me and my family, hopefully, fingers crossed. Um, and I'm just a big fan of uh, the whole the whole clan there. So uh, getting to see Tammy especially was wonderful. Third nominee, Corey messing with Mariah and Zara. It was fun. It, it's messy, and we'll talk about it more next episode. If it was pointless, spoiler alert, I think it was, but it wasn't pointless because it was entertaining, and I enjoyed it. Fourth final nominee, TJ telling Huhui how much everyone loves her. I mean, the over the top in a deserved way of just letting her know what a wonderful gem of a human she is on her way out the door. But obviously of those four moments, the Burn and Melissa fight, it's gotta be, gotta be the award winner. As for episode MVP, I'm going Ed in fifth, Corey in fourth, Melissa in third, Berna in second. And I'm saying Raven tops them all. She's present from start to finish. She obviously gets the elimination win at the end. And yes, Melissa and Berna had the big, big fight, but I think uh, Raven, Raven edges them out. You know, it's hard to pick between Melissa and Berna. So instead of picking between them, I picked the third option that is also deserving and is your episode MVP. And that would be Raven. Now for the power rankings, no predictions. Cause again, that would be silly. Although <laughs> I have yet to get a prediction, right? This entire season that's going well, got them both wrong last week. So it would, it would behoove me to just go ahead and predict things. I already know happened in the episode if I've already watched, but I'm not going to do that. I will update the power rankings. And I will say, I tried to, I tried to do this 
actually thinking like at the end of episode three and not taking into account what we know is about to happen in episode four. So you probably will notice some changes between what you hear now and when you listen to the episode four podcast and those power rankings. But at this point in time, at the end of episode three, I would have the power rankings as such. Slight change on the men's side. Horacio would move to number one, Ed two, Kieran three. I would have Asaf and Jay in a tie for fourth and Corey Lay in fifth. Corey Lay, previously number one, drops down for me because we see the beginnings of being a little messy for no reason here. And it just the more throughout this episode, and it'll become you know more and more in the next one. But really throughout this episode, we start to see how many different little duos and trios and quads are a part of the U.S. Alliance and who's got number ones and who doesn't. And uh, yeah, I'm just sliding Corey down a little bit. Horacio gets the top spot. Ed is sitting pretty. Uh, I love his position. He maybe doesn't have a number one. I'm looking for him and Corey, not just because they're my two favorites on the men's side to root for, but also because they, they both kind of, are the ones in need of a number one amongst that U.S. crew. Maybe that could happen. Kieran's sitting in a good spot, I think, on the U.K. side. And then Asaf and Jay, I think I just have tied because I don't know when when those two who are number ones of each other eventually get targeted. Who, who goes first between them? Is it Jay with the bigger kind of name and connections in the house and is a little more the leader? Or is it Asaf? I'm not sure. So I'm just having them there tied, joined together. On the women's side, Olivia Michelle stays top two. Mariah unranked to the third. Big jump into the rankings. Narice drops or moves up a spot to fourth. Zara drops two shot spots to fifth. I just think the U.S. has a better handle on the game. So a lot of U.S. players here on the men's and the women's side. And Zara moving down because she was having someone throw out her name. And there is a little bit of tension there. And so that just drops you a couple spots because we don't have a lot of info or a lot of reasons to really go off with this. So... Olivia, Michelle, Mariah, Narice, Zara, Horacio, Ed, Kieran, Asaf slash Jay, and Corey on the men's side. Those are your power rankings. That is episode number three of the challenge. B-Fank battle for a new champion. We'll now roll it. Keep it this right on rolling so you don't go anywhere. Just let that podcast keep playing. I think Spotify or Apple or wherever you're listening is smart enough to just play right into the next one. If you're watching on YouTube, I don't know if it's smart enough to play right into the next one. We will see. I don't know. But as always, thank you for being here. I love you. I appreciate you. And now we can head right on in to talking about episode number four. Until then, in case you take a break and take, maybe you've only watched episode three. Maybe you didn't want to stay up late on Wednesday night. I don't know, but we will talk again potentially very soon. Until then, peace.